Okay, welcome back everybody to another episode with uh, Drinks with Matt and Chad. I'm your host, Matt. On the other end, excuse me, geez, it's been an early morning already. On the other end, I have Chad. Um, Chad, welcome back, buddy. Um, once again, we haven't done one of these in a long time, an episode just with you and I. Um, yeah, and, baby. And, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it because we're going to be talking about something that we both enjoy, and I think it's it's probably pretty proximal to what we are today. Um, that is a particular movie. But before we get to that, uh, how you been since our last talk? Yeah, man. Yeah, doing well. And, and yeah, like you said, I, don't, I didn't go back and you know um, see how long it's been, but it feels like it's been like three plus months at least since you just just you and i did a pod and uh so yeah i'm looking forward to just having the some good one-on-one conversation with my longest tenured friend on this planet i don't know if we ever said that on a on a podcast uh for, for everybody matt and i i know people have listened to other podcasts we met in eighth grade um and so yeah it's still uh You'll, I don't think no no one will ever be uh, a friend longer unless you know uh, my boy Rob Leland from sixth grade comes back into the picture. I think your your number one your number one spot's uh, safe. Yeah, but he he's not consistent. Like I, I've been no. I've been more or less consistent now for thirty no, no, years. Thirty five. The only years. way he, the only way he could bring you know get that number one spot, he'd have to basically you know buy my affection. <laughs> which you're not opposed to right i'm not right. Yeah, like, say I, no to that hey hey <clears throat> never say no right away see what they want to offer you know well normally normally we have a drink in hand and because it's it's early morning um i've been up since what four or five o'clock this morning doing some things i'm just drinking coffee um this morning there's there's no other beverage in another L- ingredient in the coffee um, so Chad, what do, what do you have? Yeah, yeah, I I as well am going to be um, you know a responsible uh, morning drinker this morning. So I feel like though it might ha- not having alcohol like a, like a typical podcast that we do, I think does fit in the theme of of the movie that we're being so mysterious to name already. Still, but uh, the movie that we're watching or talking about today is. Um, in some ways could have been like an after school special. So, mm. you know, the, those were movies back in, you know, for those that are younger listening to this podcast, the after school special was like, it was like on like a network television. And, um, and it was always a very important theme. Um, and so in that vein, I'm going non-alcoholic, but I also have to admit I'm not doing it fully justice because it's if it's a true after school special, I'd have a Capri Sun and some Doritos in front of me, and I do not have either of the said op, uh, uh, you know ingredients or accoutrement to my to my day. So so how we came back to this movie um, because and we'll reveal the movie in a moment. Um, yeah, I had a whole yeah. different picture in my head of what I remembered about it than mm-hmm. when I rewatched it um, just a couple weeks ago. And when you, I think you're the one that watched it first and inspired yeah. me to go rent it. And so if you, if any one of our listeners want to rent this movie, you, it's available, I think on Netflix or Amazon, one of those two, you can rent it for three bucks, you know, 
299 yep. for SD, 399 for HD. I don't know if it comes in HD, but it doesn't really matter on this kind of movie. Right. right. Um, yeah, it's not, not, yeah. You're, yeah, you're not going to gain not, anything. Not yeah. Um, so, Chad, why don't you, since you're the one that brought it up, right, and got me yeah. to watch it again, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what movie we'll be t- discussing today? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we are going to be doing a podcast and all of our, uh, you know, thoughts on it um, on a movie called Soul Man. Uh, It was released in 1987. It has the lead actor is near and dear, I think, to both uh, Matt and I's uh, movie history growing up. Uh, C. Thomas Howell plays the main character. Um, and obviously C. Thomas Howell was, uh, was very first famous for his time in the outsiders, which is, uh, man, that's, it's probably in my, it's, I think it, not it, probably it is in my top 10 movies of all time for just what I feel, uh, close to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's, that's the movie we're talking about that will be up front for those who haven't seen it. The main controversy in this movie is that C. Thomas Howell, who is a white man, ends up doing something very nefarious, very uncool, and he fakes being a black person to get a scholarship to go to Harvard Law School. Right. We, we, so let's let's just run down like the 30,000 foot view of the movie. Right. Right. There's, there's yep. uh, two individuals are their best friends in high school. They're or college. They're, they're applying to Harvard law. They yep. both get in one of the characters, Mark played by C. Thomas Howell. Dad refuses to pay, which actually is a funny scene for me. Um, so we'll, we'll get that, we'll get to, which I, I really like the father, both every time he makes an entrance into the movie towards the end as well. It's fantastic for me. Um, yeah, but then, so he's he can't go to Harvard, and then they were looking through scholarships and that they can apply for, and they find one that's really good, but it's only for people who are African American, and so he has they have a friend who is getting a PhD and with sun tanning, you know, pills, and so he takes a high dose of it and turns his skin black essentially, and then he gets the scholarship and then goes to Harvard. Um, he does eventually get found out um, that he's actually not white or not black and he's actually white. And so hence the movie. So in one way, when you first watch it, I remember watching it for the first time in, in like, I think maybe 87, maybe 88, thinking to myself, it's like, that's a modern day blackface. Like that's right. not, you can't do this. Right. I thought we've stretched further than that. Um, and so I don't know what your thoughts are on that because that's the, that's another thought I had when I rewatched it. Like, ugh, like that's the cringe thing, right? About yeah. being black. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, I think, I mean, yeah. So that, you know, I'll age myself here. Um, so oh, actually I apologize. It was 86. So, but I don't think I, my parents took me to this, see this movie. So this, just this, like a lot of eighties movies that I saw, I experienced through HBO. My parents had HBO, and so I probably saw this in '87, though when it when it finally was on HBO. But uh, so when it came out, I would have you know '86, '87. You know that puts me at you know 14, 15 years old, 
Um, I remember when I first, you know, or my memory, my recollection of when I first watched it was, okay, yeah, that's not good. Um, and I, you know, but I did see some comedy in it. You know, I, you know, at that age, I, not the enlightened man that I am today. Uh, not that I still don't have some more enlightening to do. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I remember, I remember like thinking, oh, that's not good, but let's see, but it's a comedy and let's see where it takes us. Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe I'll hold my thoughts on, um, you know, now what my thought about it is in, in terms of some of the, you know, you know, that blackface referencing that you could put it to, or the, you know, those, you know, that kind of thing to present day, but I would want to do that after we talk about the movie a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's run down. Uh, we have C. Thomas Howe as one of like the main actor. There's a couple other notable people uh, in this movie that we have to speak about, right? So what are some other main actors uh, in this movie that, that people listening will go, this person's in this movie, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, Mark or C. Thomas Howe plays Mark Watson. Ray Dong Chong, who she plays the uh, the female love interest. Her name's Sarah Walker in the movie. And I thought I remember like in the 80s, Ray Dong Chong, who um, is the daughter of uh, of uh, one of the main characters of Cheech and Chong movie fame. Um, mm. You know, I, I remember her being like a really huge actress. But then when I went to her IMDb after watching Soul Man, she did not do much for yeah. a long, long time after after this movie. Um, you you know that the audience will definitely know the person who plays Professor Banks, who is uh, who teaches criminal law at Harvard Law. He uh, his most famous role is probably uh, the voice of Darth Vader, mm -hmm. uh, James Earl Jones. Um, but and I he's such a wonderful actor. I I remember yeah. liking his character a lot, you know, when back when I was a teenager and I only appreciate his character more watching it again. Oh, he steals know. every scene he's in. Like he's Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, a couple of surprises. So yeah. well, I remember I remember Leslie Nielsen being in this movie. Yeah. Um and it was it was really interesting to see him. He's so famous for airplane movies and the Naked Gun movies. It was really interesting to see him in a more kind of straight-laced generic pretty generically written character. Mm -hmm. You know, like oh this is the typical overprotective father. Right. Right now. Who very well who uh, very well could be racist in this movie like his that that character, right? As well, as well as the manager of the apartment place, yeah. right? Right, yeah. I could say with 100% certainty, uh, Mr. Dunbar, played by Leslie Nelson, is very racist. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty <laughs> um, certain on that one. Yeah, and the only other two I would list, you know, in terms of pe that people would know, um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, yeah. Elaine. Uh, the, the vice president from, you know, from, from Veep fame, or who then also was played the president in Veep. Um, gosh, she's, she, you know what? She continues to probably climb up on my power rankings of, of actors. Mm -hmm. She's just, 
every time she's on the screen, I've never seen her. Like, I always like her character, even if it's like a character, like I don't like, like the character she played in, um, in Christmas vacation, you know, the, the wife of the annoying neighbors. You but know. It's, it's almost like the same role for her, though. Like, this is pre-Seinfeld. It's almost the same kind of character. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you're a good point. So, yeah. So, at least with the Veep, it showed it shows a different range. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I just think she's incredible. So, I mean, I think you, oftentimes when people say, hey, you know, who do you want to have dinner with or lunch with if you could have it with one star or whatever? And I always say Steve Martin. You know, he's my, mm-hmm. you know... Um, but if it was Julia Louis Dreyfus, dude, I would have no fucking complaints about that, man. She, I, I think she's smart enough, um, witty enough, and not even. I'm saying when I say enough, I should not be saying that uh, that word. She's intelligent. She's witty, creative. Um, it, whatever lunch or dinner I had with her would be a phenomenal time. Right. It would be. It would be a, a great experience. So um went off on a tangent there with her. <laughs> then the the only other one that I remember uh liking her character again just just as a uh, a teenage boy, right? Uh there's a the daughter of Leslie Nielsen's character, her name's Whitney Dunbar. Mm-hmm. Um she she comes in to to add a little bit of a sexual tension and or um other, you know, comedic uh elements of this movie she is played by none other than melora hardin who everybody knows more uh playing jan evanson from the office yeah yeah so yeah so incredible yeah if you if you haven't uh if you have if you've seen the office or you haven't seen The Office and you don't know who Jan Evison is, the best thing to do is uh, just Google or on YouTube or on YouTube go uh, The Office, the dinner scene or the dinner episode. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. Yeah. that a that episode is is a top five episode of all time of The Office. And there are some scenes in that episode, which whoo, incredible. Anyways. That's my Laura Hardin at some of her finest, probably uh, comedic work as well. Yeah, um, I, I would say I, I agree with you that James Earl Jones, right? For me, that's the one character I remember from this movie. Like he is so good in this movie. Well, he's good in, in every movie, um, but he knocks out of the ballpark yeah. for me. Um, so let's let's go ahead and and get into. It. I think a, another character that we. I obviously Harvard's picked because Harvard law, right? It's known as mm-hmm. one of, if not the best law schools in the world. But I think that the Cambridge sits right next to Boston. And I think that for me, knowing the history of Boston and racial tensions, I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting, right? It's just, I know they probably didn't think of this when they made the movie because it was just Harvard, but Boston yeah. has that weird history um, with with race, and I thought that was an interesting backdrop, at least for me, looking at now as a forty some year old man looking back at it. So when I was younger, I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't think anything of it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a much deeper um, layer that I think most of the the viewing public would not know about, right? Mm-hmm. 
unless they were, you know, had some deeper connection to, to Boston area and Cambridge, right. They wouldn't have that affiliation maybe as much, but, um, and Oh, the one actor we didn't mention, which is interesting because he's a, he's one of the top four actors in terms of lines in this movie. Yeah. But we were going by popularity of what people would know is uh is Ari Gross who plays Mark's uh you know best friend confidant roommate um and his name's Gordon Bloomfield or Field Bloomfield in this movie and he Ari Gross I remember being I felt like he was in other stuff but this was to my memory Ari Gross is like apex you know for his uh his movie ability but maybe he has something else that you remember that was um he, he, he should be famous for. I, I, don't know. I, I do have one where he's a brother with with Dempsey and I can't remember the other actor's uh, name. Um, the three brothers and they have to return a Cadillac to their mom. I can't remember the movie offhand, but but okay. Bloomfield has one of the funniest scenes to me uh, in the movie um, when mm-hmm. and we'll 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 get to that. So let's let's just hold off on that. Let's go. Um, you are so great in, in offering probably a really good outline of how we're going to do this movie. Um, yeah. Because it's underlying all of it. It's going to be this, this, this idea of race, uh, which I think we'll wait until the very end, because I think this movie does an outstanding job with its message. Um, and that's mm-hmm. the one thing there, if there's two things I remember about the, about the whole movie, it's the quote, Harvard law, there is no substitute, right? That quote. And then also yeah. what it means to be black. Right. Oh, lessons right. that you yep. learn. Um, right. So I thought those two poignant things that I remember. So let's go back on. I guess a, that's a good segue into my memory of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. as, as we both thought comedy. Okay. This was a, there's some funny scenes in it. Right. But yep. like with, with really good comedies, I think you would agree. There are hidden messages to it. Right. There Although there are jokes being said, like C. Tom's house character, there's two individuals making jokes, racial jokes. You can see the evolution of C. Tom's house character where normally he would not pay attention to it. Normally he would ignore mm. it. He would be apathetic in, in reacting to it. But by the end, because he understands, now he deals with it. Right. And I thought yeah. that was such a great, like what was going on now? Like, like you may not yeah. be affected by racism. But you're still responsible for acting upon those people who are racist, right? So you still have a responsibility yeah. to do so. So what what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, again, that's that was definitely one of my bigger pieces of um of the of watching this movie again was was seeing Mark's growth and awareness. And like you said, it's like in today's just level of awareness. There's no excuse not to be at minimum an ally, right? At minimum, everybody needs to be an ally to those groups or those people that are, you know, what myriad of categories that they're not getting the same access benefits, etc., um, as, as others. So a minimum being an ally. And then I think, you can show that more so by with your actions and Mm -hmm. stepping up and, you know, calling out those um, who are not, uh, 
are, are definitely not doing things that are right. And like right now you put it to like modern day, like, you know, the, all those Karen videos, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, those Karen videos where they, uh, you know, some, some white lady and wherever is, you know, yelling racial epithets, you know, and, and, and people now are like a recording them and B saying, you know, Hey, yeah, that's not appropriate. That's not right. Like, sticking up for and and they're, and they're the same color right it's a white person calling out another white person saying you cannot say that that's wrong and mm-hmm. and that's and it takes it takes that to be more of an occurrence to to check those people and their ignorance and their um you know bigotry etc to try to you know turn this around so we're getting pretty deep right away i would i wanted to talk about mark's growth a little bit later with those uh with those scenes fair fair, fair point but if if i can just just say one last thing on it something that you, you triggered yeah. um that what i saw in that character mark's character and what i see today is the fact that if someone is racist towards an, another group of individuals then they're racist towards you indirectly that is they're speaking poorly upon the human race itself and that's why it's all of our responsibilities to stop that not yeah your safeguard is not directly at you but it is about you because you're still a part of this overarching race the human race now now we're going way too deep so let's just let's get back let's go ahead and get back to one of your categories uh which i which it's gonna be great funny lines from the movies those those lines that that you remember. Um, and so I'll, I'll let you start if you have one or two that you want to start off with, about, with the movie. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, my, fa- one of my favorite lines that I, uh, I was surprised by. So when Mark and, um, um, and, uh, oh my gosh, Gordon, Mark and Gordon move into their, their place in the, their apartment in Boston, which I gotta say, that was a pretty nice place. Again, these guys are obviously come from money, although, you know, Mark's, you know, dad is, uh, has chosen to, you know, to let Mark grow, right? Give him his manhood. Yeah, which, um, which, and, before you, before you go to that line, it's, his dad has a great line before that, right? Where I've taken your money and I've invested into a timeshare, right? <laughs> and he's, and he's so happy with it. He goes, you know, son, you know, what I can give you. A Ferrari is, is Mark's response. He goes, no, son, independence, right? You know, or your manhood or something, right? You kind of go, yeah. oh, man, that's yeah. awesome. What a great, great, great character. So, sorry, yeah. go ahead. And, uh, so, yeah, so they move into this apartment. Um, and, uh, well, actually, there's there's two lines there. So, I don't, I'm going to steal the thunder of, of one of these lines then. Go, go both. Go both. The, so they move into this, the apartment. They're the uh, the man the, par- the apartment manager, caretaker, whatever his uh, his role is. You know, typical. He looks like the typical Boston guy. You know, he's he's wearing uh you know I think what would you call like a Kangol hat. Not that that's a typical Boston guy, but uh, you know. And then he's smoking a cigar. He's got a Celtic shirt on, and uh, he pulls Gordon aside when they when uh, Mark goes into the. Um, the the apartment he's like hey uh we have a problem here your uh your friend uh is uh is you know he's uh he's african-american or he's black you know <laughs> and then and gordon's like what mark's black you know like plays it off like you know like that's i he never i never knew thank you for bringing this to my attention 
you know, just like, so that, so that sets up a funny scene. And then right after that is when Leslie Nielsen's character comes in to the, the movie. They see Whitney from their window, their second, you know, story window. And they, uh, they run down to want to introduce themselves to her. And, uh, and Gordon classic line. He's like, he's like, hi, I'm Gordon Bloomfeld from the Marina del Rey Bloomfelds. <laughs> I was like, you know, like such a pretentious line. I think there's definitely a little bit of comedy in it, right? Like he wasn't like, like the Marina del Rey Bloomfelds isn't like some kind of, uh, you know, rock Rockefeller or Kennedy family line or anything. Right. But I've, I've been, to, I've been to Marina del Rey, beautiful area. I believe it's this, um, it's the area that has uh, uh, Loyola Marymount University, I believe, is in Marina del Rey. Um, but yeah, lots of lots of uh, wonderful, you know, boat, you know, boats are in that area. It's like this Marina del Rey is like the San Diego of Los Angeles, you know. But uh, that, for whatever reason, I don't, I didn't remember that line from before, and I just thought that was hilarious to me so i found that one funny what about what were a couple of your favorites i'm i'm gonna go early more yeah yeah i'm gonna go earlier in the movie though um when yeah, yeah. his father when his father first tells him that he's not paying for harvard law like he congratulates him right for getting into harvard law and they're excited and then he tells him i'm not gonna pay your way and it fast forwards you know the next i don't know if it's the next scene or at the bar i don't know which one's the next scene but um, he's actually going through the cost of per year at Harvard. And it was 10,000 some odd dollars for tuition and then some thousand dollars for books and living. So it, mm-hmm. it equated to like $53,000 total for law school. And I, and I, I went, that's it. Like now it's not even that for per year. Like that's not that much yeah. money to go to law yeah. school. So I didn't understand what the big deal was. Now, when I first watched it, I went, I'm never going to go to Harvard Law. Not because, right. not in terms of intelligence, but in terms of, well, and that costs way too much. Today. You would say the same thing today, right? If you are if you were a teenager watching that movie now, yeah. you'd be like, that, unless you get a scholarship, right? Yeah. You're thinking, I can't do that. That's too much money. Right. But to, for me, it just, it just, I just chuckled because you guys are supposed to be smart. You didn't figure out because they were talking about being monopolist, right? And retiring in their thirties, right? You know, doing some, <laughs> right. some. Their first million, the first million in the, in when they're 30. Yeah. First million because they're doing some high business deals. And you're, then you're sitting there going, so why is $53,000 a big deal? Like if you're going to be a millionaire by the time you're 30, yeah. then why 53? Like, so that, that part didn't necessarily work. It was just funny on he comes from a wealthy family, he's cut off and now he now he's facing the, the real world and that. So I, I really enjoyed those kind of couple scenes back to back. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um you know, I think the then I think some others that we might, I might talk about might come up just uh, as we talk about other scenes, but one other um line I really liked a lot. <clears throat> was when Mark ends up meeting by chance uh Sarah Walker, Ray Dong Chong's um son by chance mm-hmm. in uh in the, ca- the cafeteria. So and there's a for a 
co- movie about college, there was there was almost as many uh, cafeteria scenes in a college movie themed movie as there was in a like most high school themed movies, you mm-hmm. know, in this one. But um, I mean, that's part of it because Sarah Walker works there to help you know pay for her education right Mm -hmm. which can't be helping much right dude i i was working this is in 86 87 you know when i was working retail in 89 90 man i was making 350 an hour so i don't i don't think uh sarah working at the local cafeteria or the school cafeteria is helping her pay too much well i was i was wondering whether or not she's on a work study program so she's getting her tuition paid and so she's working to pay the because she's living with her parents sure right or grandparents yeah yeah one of the two, grandparents, grandparents. Yeah. yeah so i didn't know how that worked on working there because see Thomas uh, mark's you know mark will eventually at the end work at the same uh cafeteria we'll get to that later mm-hmm. uh, but go ahead with mm-hmm. with the line with um her son oh yeah so he he got he had, you know Mark has his his tray of uh, food. It's very packed cafeteria. There's only like one table that is semi empty. It has a, a young child uh, there, you know, coloring and whatnot. So Mark sits down and he looks at the kid who's probably you know five, you know six at the latest, but probably only like five. And uh, he's like, "So uh, you go to school here?" You know, right? Kid laughs, right? He's like, he's like, no, I, I go to Eleanor Roosevelt. And, uh, and Mark says, Eleanor Roosevelt, good school. You know, like, it's, it's just a really nice, polite, funny way to like endear yourself to someone who, you know, might be kind of nervous, right? Cause they're all around adults, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think for Mark, and Mark obviously doesn't know that if Eleanor Roosevelt's a good school at all, it's just, you know, he's saying something nice. Right. I, I thought you know. I thought Josie, Josie got a heart. Yeah, I, heart. I, I thought the interactions with Mark and the little and the little boy was was really interesting in that because there's a later scene when C. Thomas Hall, his character is now revealed as white, right? So he's no longer black; yeah. he's now he's white. And the kid, there's another interaction with the little boy, and he says, "You look funny being white." And he says, "So you should try my other colors, like green, right?" And I thought yeah, for when my I, best color, right? yeah, my He's best like, color. It's like, it's like it's my best color, but everybody stares. Right, and so and I thought that was what a poignant like twenty seconds because the boy sees color, yeah. but he doesn't see race yet. Like you know what I mean? Like that's that's a learned thing, yeah. right? And I thought, man, and yeah. I was just it immediately got me back when I grew up in North Carolina, where we did see color. Yeah, my friends were black, fine, but we didn't see race yet, right? That society mm-hmm. kind of putting that on. And so now we're going back to deep again. So I apologize. So let's, let's, let's keep it. Um, I got, I got, no, that's a great dude. That's a great point though. And I, and I'll be, I'll be upfront. I missed that. I missed that little, that added layer, um, you know, about George's response to seeing Mark white. Um, I knew it was kind of a funny line that he said, um, but yeah, you, yeah, that's, yeah, very good. Uh, very good observation, Mister Jetty. Well, I, I think one one of the classic scenes in the entire movie would have to be the basketball scene, right? It's <laughs> right, <laughs> and there's, yep. there's so there's just so many things funny about the about the scene, but none other, none of them are better than the opening scene to that that overarching you know episode where they're trying they're deciding yeah. like where does Mark 
play? Like, which team is he going to be assigned to? And the conversation between the two captains was absolutely outstanding yeah. because they're they're on their clipboard and they're they're not looking up yet, right? So Mark and right. wh- who's Bloomfield Gross Gross Gross, right? Gordon 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 yeah, yeah, Mark Gordon, Gordon Mark walk up. The two individuals are on their clipboards and I'm in look they're on the clipboard and I'm in looking up and all of a sudden, okay, who are you guys? He goes, I'm Mark and Gordon. And when they look up, well, one of them looks up first and immediately takes the clipboard. He goes, why don't you guys go ahead and take Gordon and we'll take, we'll take Marcus. I think he says Marcus. I don't even think he says Mark. Right. Right. You're kind of going, right. What, where did that come from? Why is it Marcus all of a sudden? Right. And then when the other character looks up, he goes, Oh, well, wait a minute. You guys already have, I can't remember the other character's name they mentioned. The, the only other Leon. Leon? I, yeah. I think it might be Leon. If they, the only other character of color in the basketball game is Leon. And he right. goes, you guys already have right. Leon. We'll take Marcus. Type of thing. And they go. Right. He's like, I'm no, go ahead. Go, go. go ahead. I've, I've talked a lot. Go ahead. He's like, he's like, he's like, I'm really not that good, guys. You know, he's like, well, and then, and actually that character played by Mr. Ronald Reagan Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, goes, well, have you played before? <laughs> well, on the playground. And that's what, right. And so in this type of movie, in this type of movie, you have to play up some stereotypes, right? That's, that helps sell the line. It helps sell a little bit of the movie. And so when he says he's played on the playground, that gets them to those two guys, those two coaches to fight even more about who's <laughs> he goes the cuff between those two guys. Oh, on the playground. Yeah. Because immediately you start yeah. thinking, oh, this kid was inner city, this kid's urban, this kid's played against yeah. a town. You're thinking Rucker Park, you're thinking Rucker Park. Yeah, absolutely, right? You know? And so it was it was yep. just <laughs> I laughed so loud watching that scene again. And and then when they actually mm. do play basketball. He's horrible. He's horrible. <laughs> He's absolutely horrible. Yeah, my uh, and, well, because there's a couple of scenes he tries to do moves, two moves that the other, uh, you know, that Leon, black yeah, player Leon makes. yeah, and uh, and he fails miserably. Uh, <laughs> trying to do the moves that the other guy can do, obviously much better because he's probably played a heck of a lot more basketball. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but then the last scene, or like the last shot he takes, it gets stuck between the, <laughs> the, rim. the rim and the back <laughs> And his, the look on his face, you know, he's like, big <laughs> smile pointing at it. Everybody else is just disgusted and appalled by this guy. Like, uh, basically, it's like, um, what, oh. He's he's not respecting the game. He's he's defiling this the sanctity of the basketball court. You know, um, they probably never wanted him. I don't know. That would have been funny if he would have. Uh, did they show him playing again in the future, or did he get banned forever to never be uh, and never asked back to to play again? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Like, what's the duration? I think it's a semester, right? It's one semester for the movie. Right from the first semester in law school, so that's the duration of the movie. Right. So my guess is no. Yeah, I guess yeah. he's not. He didn't go back to that gym to play basketball. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't get the hey man. We're we're here every Thursday. Come 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 through. Roll with us. <laughs> and how one you team know? captain just said, oh, kind of like he doesn't say anything, but you can tell. Yeah, that's your guy. <laughs> you guys you guys picked up Marcus, right? So 
the uh, it's it's, it's the, one uh, of the best I, scenes um, in the movie. So um, absolutely, and, the, and I think in that movie, uh, I'm all you know because of a uh, copyright. I'm not gonna you know um, share too much, but in that scene, the the song that plays in the background is uh is the very wonderful song by Sam and Dave uh called Soul Man. And uh and so yeah, that's you know, great song choice um to have in the background while these guys are are playing uh playing the great game of basketball. But yeah, f- hilarious scene to this day. Um yeah, wonderful. So, well you talked about all these scenes that make us laugh, smile, and all that. You want to start talking about maybe a couple of scenes that make uh, make us cringe a little bit, you know, given uh, the fact that someone is uh, has misidentified themselves as a different race. I I, I will in, in one moment because I I, I okay. I'd be amiss if we didn't mention James Earl Jones. The scenes in the class with James Earl Jones, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- those are, I think, some of the best scenes in the entire movie because he's just so good, right? And everyone, according to that professor, Professor Banks, right? Is that is that the name? Yeah. Everyone in that movie or in that class is on the level playing field. And the one scene that really strikes at me, right, that I think is really good is when C. Thomas Howell gets beat up in, in the jail cell, right, because you have these white racist individuals who lost and I guess in a softball game or I can't remember what game they yeah, lost. Right. And they go, we got, we, yeah, it was a very, we lost to a bunch of, and I'm not going to say the word. Right. And so, and no, sometimes no, how looks black. And so he gets beat up in jail. Right. And so he's, he's late on turning in a paper to professor Banks's class. And so as he's walking out of the, out of the classroom, Mr. Banks goes, you know, Mark, you didn't, you know, whatever his last name is in the movie, you didn't turn your paper. And he goes, I just got beat up. And he goes, you have one phone call. You can call me. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of going, oh, that's my first watch. Oh, that's nice. And he goes, I'll bring your books. Right. And he, and, and, and he, he literally tells him how it is. If you have to work harder, yep. you work harder. If you have to take more shit, you take more shit. Because these little shits over here don't know, understand. And you're just kind of going, yeah. he's so right, right? He's so like, these yeah. other people don't get it. And you have to be better because if you don't succeed, it doesn't really matter why. It doesn't. So that you have to take more. Yeah. And so I thought, and you knew, well, last thing, you knew James Earl Jones' character went through that himself to get to be yeah. a professor at Harvard. He went through that racial injustice and he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, well, and that's a, that's definitely one of the, the the poignant scenes I liked a lot in terms of that conversation um, <clears throat> with those two characters, and I think it it shows another kind of misrepresent or not a misrepresentation. It shows an um, an ill informed decision or um, uh, gosh, what I'm trying to say here. Mark's character made a misjudgment of what he thought it would be like to take Professor Banks's class because mm-hmm. as they're signing up for courses, you know, it seems like Gordon and and Mark are probably going to be taking most of the same classes their entire lives, yeah. right? So they're 
they're they're standing in line, and then um, Mark sees Professor Banks, and well, he sees Sarah Walker in Professor Banks's line. Then he sees Professor Banks is for criminal law, and and he's an African American, right? So he's thinking, so he's like, oh, Gordon. I'm actually, I think I want to take criminal law this semester. Like, oh, I thought we were going to take it next semester. He's like, yeah, well, that's before I, you know, saw the, 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 who the professor was. And so Mark makes this an assumption that because he's in this movie right now, he's going to be identified as black. He thinks he's going to get favoritism. Right. And that is the, the biggest mistake he could have made especially for someone like professor banks because he doesn't because and then he, he even professor banks lays that out you know in the in the very first day of class maybe not the favoritism part but definitely this like everybody's like expectation you do i don't take late papers right. you know like there's, there's no bullshit you know you're gonna do work in my class you know and that maybe that even goes back to maybe it's a, not a super funny line but just a, a funny kind of short pieces where you know, he's taking roll. Professor Banks is taking roll call. Everybody's being very formal with here, present here, and then it's like, Mark Watson, right on. You know, <laughs> it's like, dude, again, you, you ha for this type of movie, you have to do some of these things. Like that's what that's what is an ignorant, ill-informed white person oh, oh, who probably yeah. hasn't spent a hasn't spent a time with around black people. That's what they think it is because they're they're trying to think of it from a movies or televisions that are you know what not real yeah. you know these are exaggerated versions you know well, doesn't doesn't so. uh, Mark C. Tom's house character say when Gordon finds out that he took the pills to look black because everyone loves black people it's a Cosby decade right so he's already thinking right. it's going to be a cakewalk right he's not thinking yeah. what it actually means to be black in America, for example. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So any, any scene that James Earl Jones was in is outstanding to me. I can watch that multiple times and we'll get to the very end, uh, because I think he has the prop, the best scene, um, in the entire movie. So, so back to your other question on scenes that make you cringe, right. And make you go, what mm -hmm. are they doing here? Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I, I think, one is obviously just pretending that you're black, right? And lately in the news, right. there's a professor that got fired because she put on her form that she was African-American. And so there's another grad student or something that just admitted that she's pretending to be black. Like there's like no one's, I guess, comfortable in actually who they are. And they think being the other is beneficial. Like you get ahead or something. And that's not mm -hmm. how this works. And that made me cringe, mm. the mere fact that he thought that he could pull this off and not understand right. what he was actually doing. And then you come to find out that he actually stole the scholarship from um, um, Sarah's character, right? Sarah. From, from Sarah. Yeah. yeah. And so that was, that, was, that was when it's like, oh, shit. You, even back when I was a teenager watching this, like, I, I knew this was not a good, good idea. But you, 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 you think it's semi-justified because you learned that nobody else, it was supposed to be just Los Angeles, mm -hmm. you know, and, and no, there was no other applicants miraculously. 
Los Angeles is a pretty large, uh, it's like the number one or two most populated city in America. So to only have, to have no applicants for, I would, I, I discredit a little bit, but that's how, the, that's how you can justify it. It's like there was no other applicants, right? right? If I, if I don't, if I didn't take this scholarship, this money would not have been used, Correct. right? So that's how they justify it. And like you said, then when they, oh, and, and, and kind of nice little juxtaposition with filmmaking. How how he finds out that he stole Sarah's, or you know, um, uh, scholarship because she was from San Diego. She says, "Well, if they if nobody in Los Angeles applies for it, they open it up statewide." You know, and you you and as she's telling him this, this is her first time in Boston seeing the snowfall. Right, mm -hmm. it's snowing. She's like, and he, you can tell he's crushed. Like he's, you know, he's got a, you know, he's visibly like, what, you know? And she's like, wow, you, you know, you just, you look white, mm -hmm. you know, cause he's, you know, white with fear and shame right there. And to, to do that scene when it's snowing, you know, it's a, it's a really light touch. Maybe it's super obvious. I don't know, but I, I thought it was, you know, I, it wasn't to me. It wasn't like oh, they're trying too hard to drive this point right. home. I th I just thought it was a really nice, uh, nicely layered scene. I don't know. If, I don't know if this next scene is one that makes me cringe or one that I thought to myself is just I don't know why it's here. Which is the last scene in the professor's classroom where Gordon's making a defense before Mark shows up. Right, this long uh, speech, uh, and dude. I'm going i don't know what what you're trying to do here and because and he says because of the color of his skin you know marks you know come on down and i thought you're just missed like that was completely opposite of what i thought the movie was going at least in that moment right it's kind of this doesn't make any sense to me mm -hmm. so that was that was one scene that was just confused oh i gotcha oh i thought so i thought that scene was brilliant really i yeah, I thought that scene was brilliant because, because it's plain like as as Gordon's giving his you know two three minute you know soliloquy on on why you know Mark should be given a, a fair hearing, everybody in that room thinks they uh, th their image in their head is is that Mark's you know a black person, right? And so as Gordon's giving all these statements about. You know, can we judge him for his upbringing, right? And you're like, what? That's an uncomfortable thing to say, mm -hmm. right? Can we judge him for, you know, any disadvantages in his life? And then he nails it or at the end. He's, and then he turns around. He's like, can we blame him for the color of his skin? And he's saying this almost nose to nose with Professor Banks. And he pauses Professor Banks has this look on his face like he's about to fucking tear oh, this dude sure. up. Yeah. Right. And uh and he goes, you know, after, you know, can we blame him for this color of his skin? And he goes like, I think not. And you're like, what? So I think it was like this great because then when Marty's like, Mark, come on down, which is kind of a silly line, but and then when Mark comes in, everybody is floored when they see that he's white, right? And so then it's a matter of, yeah, you can't blame him for his upbringing. Mark's upbringing was 
spoiled, rotten, every advantage in his life, right? He, he was, he, and for that, for his particular family, he was not exposed to probably other individuals, either from other socioeconomic, you know, classes or other races, regardless if it's, you know, black or any other race, right? He, now we can certainly blame him for the choice that he made. Absolutely. We can do that. But it's like, it's almost like shining a spotlight on the ignorance that people can have by being, um, you know, just not around other people and, and, and having that white privilege, having that economic privilege that he came from. Right. Are you supposed to have sympathy for him? No, you're not supposed to have the sympathy for him. But again, going back to the statement I've made a couple of times today, you as the viewer, they're making you admit to the most basic general bigotries of what some people might think about black families, right? They're playing on that most basic um, thought. And so that's why people are taking offense to it, especially Professor Banks. Like, what are you like? You're, you're insulting an entire race right now. And that, but he was, he was insulting. He wasn't insulting black people. He was insulting white okay, people. Okay. So you just don't know. Well, you, so you, ah, all right. So you and I are going to, we're going to disagree here for a moment. Um, and and that's that's, not yeah. that we have to come yeah. to an agreement by any means, but I'm going to go back to one of my earlier comments when we first started this podcast. And I mentioned um, this idea because he's he's turning his skin black. It's almost like blackface, like the classic blackface kind of thing that right. um, was in movies and plays and th things of that nature. It's all the way up until this yep. part of the movie that you think, yeah, that's all this is in a way. The lesson really begins for the entire movie. It begins here. Okay. Right. At, right. Th at this moment, yep. then you start thinking everything else, the whole movie is flipped on its head. And I didn't see it the way you saw it. I saw it the way that if I'm Professor Banks, Mark and Gordon are the pathetic little shits that Professor Banks said, right? Right. And says, yep. you got to do yep. better than them. Yep. And when he shows up being white, that to me reconfirmed everything about this, this, the little shits, right? That they have the audacity mm -hmm. to do this. Right. It's not until the next scene yep. that Mark kind of has a redemption moment, right, of what he actually learned. Yep. But that moment for me was just re-solidifying what Professor Banks told him at Thanksgiving regarding, you know, you got to work harder, you got to do those things. Um, and so I saw, yep. I saw, I didn't think it was like critiquing white America or uplifting black America. I thought it was more of, yeah, this is a Gordon individual who is trying to parlay the fact that you shouldn't look at skin color, even though I'm privileged with my skin color, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mark, of course, Mark would have the audacity to fucking pull, try to pull something like mm -hmm. this off. Right. Of course right. he would, you know. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you just said, dude. I, I'm I'm with you 100% on all that. Um and and let's before we go into the 
you know, that final or one of the last scenes where um, um, Mark and Professor Banks talk again about is he going to get expelled, yeah. right? Um, the one other major cringe scene that I had was when Mark goes to dinner at Whitney's parents' house. You know, again, so Whitney, Whitney um, is, you know, Leslie Nielsen's, you know, daughter in this movie. You know, he's the one that owns the, the property. Um, very, very upper crust, you know, family in terms of at least, you know, they have a, you know, a, a person like serving them food at this yeah. dinner and whatnot. The cringiest part of this this scene, so it's the mother, the father, and uh, and Whitney's, you know, brother who's a younger son. He's probably you know, fourteen ish mm -hmm. or fifteen, you know, and they they take turns. Um, they're having you know very. Uh, it's not a very flowing conversation, mm -hmm. you know. Very you know, so there's a struggle for conversation at dinner, and then they go. Every, they show every character. Um, from that family having, you know, a, a typical, you know, racist or bigotry uh, view in their head about Mark, you know, so, you know, Mark or uh, Whitney's mom has a um, has a and they, they, they basically do a, a whole new kind of character like they put Mark into a, a different scene. Or you know, different kind of uh, whatever that person's image is. Yeah, it's, it's an imagination taking place of the three. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, so so Whitney's mom imagines him like wanting to yeah, ravish like her, beastly you know, character kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then the son, uh, who has happened to be listening to some music with the classic '80s walk cassette mm -hmm. Walkman. Um, you know, imagines him as being like Prince, you know, and like, you know, doing like sexually suggestive stuff with right. the guitar. And then when the dad, uh, imagines him kind of in a, in a, like a pimp like character, mm -hmm. like all three of those, maybe the Prince one was, was the least, the was the least offensive because I love Prince and I like, you know, the, the guitar or whatever. But, uh, but the mother's imagination and the dad's imagination, like, man, that is, effed up definitely cringeworthy yeah. did not like it um but i guess in a way i think it's it's good that those it's in the movie because again it play it shows people's fucking ignorance mm -hmm. and, and, and and yeah they probably played up a little bit too much um but again it's a movie you gotta i i don't fault them for going over the top every once in a while on some of that stuff but that's symbolism right. and I, I think um, all three of them have something in common. Every every character's imagination has something in common regarding what it be what it means to be black, right? And even even the daughter um, uh, has the same thing, right? Uh, Whitney has the same idea. That's why she's with them. So it, it is definitely a stereotype that is grossly bigoted and racist. And I probably blocked it out because I. I think I may have fast forward that scene even because I knew what was coming and I, I just, it just, it just oh. like, I hate it that much. And the mere fact I, I probably yeah. have that feeling yeah. means it's an important scene. Like it puts you right in your face, right in front of you. Like this is what some people actually think. And that's right. And you have to, you have to grapple with that. You have to contextually, you have to put that in your head. 
um, to actually talk about it. So I agree with you. So I guess our, our cringe scenes are probably important scenes, right? In some ways, right? I mean, yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't yeah. make those yeah. scenes the same way today, I suppose, but I think they're important scenes to put out, out there in the open. So, so yeah. let's, let's go yeah. another one you had on your list. Um, talk about Mark's growth. And then maybe this leads into one of the last scenes of the movie. And so, um, you you certainly saw, which is I think the most important part of the movie, Mark's growth in this and his interactions with all these other other characters, particularly with himself. Mm-hmm. And and I thought that was the poignant moment at the end in Professor Banks's room, um, where if if you don't mind, you can say the line or I can say the line. Um, no, well, yeah, no, I, yeah, you, I'm, I'm giving you the, uh, the, I want you to be able to talk about the, the Professor Banks piece, but do we want to talk about a couple other sure, things? Sure, ab- absolutely, that? yeah, absolutely, that's, because that's the, that's the crescendo, perfect. that's the crescendo, and I, I'm going to give you, the, give you the honor because of our, I don't know if it was text exchanges or, or our phone calls, you were the one that brought that point up, and you deserve the honors of, uh, of saying right. it, so, but for, for his growth throughout the movie before that, that kind of crescendo um, is definite. And you mentioned this a little bit where there was two characters in the movie where one of the, these you know, two white guys that one of the guys loves to tell black yeah. jokes love. And, and his friend always is the, the uh, eager uh, person to listen and, and laugh and cackle out loud at every, every stereotypical black joke. I'm not going to tell these Right. jokes on this podcast right but they do it i want to say four mm-hmm. times you know and the the first time they do one and they don't they never know marks around right which is again, again maybe even a, a subtle way of saying like he's that he's not even worth their attention what a cool, you know that, to know that he's around by the way that's an outstanding point because at the end they do recognize he's around so that's an that's an outstanding yep. point. So go on, keep going. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and so the first joke that they tell, you know, and then they then they finally they see Mark, and they're like, "Oh, hey, you know, no offense, buddy," you know, and and Mark's reaction is like, "No yeah. problem." Second time and, they and do just, it. Oh no! Pause. Tells us just for the audience, Mark Mark is yeah uh, is looks like black right now. He looks black. Right. At yeah. This yeah. Part. Right. Yeah. This is perfect. They're perfect. At Harvard. Right. Yeah. They're at Harvard. Yeah. Yeah. And so the second time they do the joke, um, you know, he, they see him and, it, you know, he's, he, he pauses maybe just for like a, a half a second and he's like, no problem, you know, but, you know, not as, as much as the first time, the third time that he hears overhears a joke. He, uh, I think it was the third time. I think he just yeah, stares he at him. He does. He doesn't say no problem anymore. He just stares at him. And then the fourth time is after he speaks with Professor Banks. So do you want to do Professor Banks and then I'll do the no, fourth um, joke? No, I'm going to go back to the previous three as well. Um, you, you start to see the okay, evolution yeah, yeah. of Mark as he goes through the trials of being black, right? So the first joke he hears, yeah. he hasn't gone through anything yet. Like he he doesn't know what it means yet, so he goes no no problem. Yeah. Second one, he's starting to see it a little bit, but he's still not there. And then by the mm-hmm. third one, I think it was in the library, he just stares at him. He's already been through a lot of this stuff. 
he got his ass right. kicked in freaking yeah. jail, right? You know, and um, yeah, yeah. So, yep, agreed, right? So he's yeah. So it's it's just a it's a really those joke scenes only take ten fifteen seconds, you know, but they really add a nice again additional layer of helping show you know shepherd this story and shepherd his growth through that um it's not again i can see that now as you know a guy in my 40s i saw it a little i can certainly see it back when i was a teenager but i, don't, I still don't think to the depth i thought it was just like oh they're just trying to be like showing this is a comedy 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 they're supposed to they're just doing this to add comedy right. to the show you know but then again even back when i was watching before like i knew yeah, those, you know, that joke and for Mark, he should not be thinking this right, is cool. Exactly. And you're the And we shouldn't think it's cool as a white person, right? Again, it goes back to like being an ally. If I hear those jokes now, if someone's telling those jokes now, I'm saying, man, right. that's, and that, that's, up. that's what we were talking right. about at the very beginning. At least at the very least you'd be an ally. Uh, but hopefully you have a bigger responsibility yeah. and duty and obligation to do something about it, which he does at the fourth time, right? So he he does do something. But I got yeah. one quick, like your, your comment on, it's not as if they even recognize he's there. It's so poignant because mm -hmm. they don't, it doesn't matter that he's there. Mm -hmm. Right. And they excuse their behavior yeah. by going, Oh, no offense. How many times have people heard that line? No offense. I was just joking kind of thing. Right. And, and it just makes you think, yeah. Oh man. So that, that was, that was a really great point. So let's go, let's go to one of the last scenes with professor banks. After the the classroom scene where Gordon, you know, says, come on down, everyone. He, now he's revealed that he's white. And so now Mark is in Banks's office, right? He's sitting across from him. And I think it opens up with Mark saying all the things that he's willing to do, right? Start a scholarship in Sarah's name, return all the money with interest, you know, work, you know, I, I don't know if he says racial justice, but he talks about going into law for that particular purpose. So he's saying, yeah. I think he says four things in some. Yeah. And then um, Professor Banks says, it looks like, you know, you've learned a lot. Right. And Mark says, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. More, More than, than you bargained bargain for. for. And Mark says, yeah. And he goes, I, you've learned something I can't. This is Professor Banks. You've learned something I can't teach you. That is what it means to be black. Right. And as a viewer, mm -hmm. you're at that moment going, yeah, right. You get it. And then Mark says something that turns the whole movie around. He says, no, I haven't. And you're kind of going, mm -hmm. what? Like, I remember watching that for the first time going, you haven't, like, you should just admit that you've learned something, even if you haven't. Right. And then he, and then he right, says, right, yeah. I haven't because if I ran into trouble being black, I can always go back to being white. Right. And then mm -hmm. the whole movie changes for me. Right. And that's when Professor Banks yeah. goes, well, you learn more than I thought. Right. And that was just like yeah. that for me, there's yeah. no out for people of color. There's no out for people of gender. There's no out for people with different sexual orientation or nationality. There's no out. And so there's a whole yeah. heavy responsibility for each one of us. And I thought that to me made the whole movie. And that's why I even agreed to do this podcast about soul, man, because I think that line sums up the message. 
Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. It's a great, great scene again. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, incredible scene. And then after that, in they go, they cut back to the cafeteria, which is like, I don't know, like the fifth or sixth time they're in the cafeteria. I don't know. And, uh, but this time Mark's now doing work yeah. study, right? Um, there, Sarah and her son, George are there. She's got her, her envelope. This is again, this is in the, the mid eighties people that we didn't have yeah. email, you know, you didn't, you know, you didn't have smartphones. You know, you get your mails, your your grades mailed mm. to you, right? So she's looking. This is over the, I guess I would assume the uh, the holiday break, you know, between Christmas and the start of the second semester, and uh, she's uh, she's hesitant to to um, open up her her envelope. She's nervous, et cetera, et cetera, and then. I won't go into that part, but, but I'll just say after they find out she did pass and is all, you know, she's a happy, happy, um, or got the grade she wanted. Um, the two guys that were telling those jokes, the two white guys telling the jokes, the uh, the whole movie come in. And again, they, they say it, I forget what the joke was. It's very offensive. And Mark hears it. And this time he doesn't say no problem. This time he doesn't just stare and stay quiet. He goes over and clocks both of these dudes. A little, I mean, harder than I think I'd ever be able to punch somebody because both of these guys end up yeah. flying over a, yeah. a table, getting, you know, food on their face. You know, it's a very, uh, you know, 80s movie uh, punch uh, cafeteria yeah. scene. Um, but yeah, they both deserve to get, uh, to get hit. And, you know, that's when, you know, Sarah, she sees him do this because they've already, um, kind of basically agreed, like they're probably not going to be mm -hmm. friends anymore. Right. But she sees him do this and she's like, okay, that's nice that he's, you know, stood up and called them out on it. The guy go back to and I if I if it's not Leon, my apologies. <laughs> I'm probably doing the exact same thing, right? That that what the, it might the guys even be Daryl. It was Marcus. Not I don't Mark. know why Daryl now just came to my head, and so we have to I look. should look this up on IMDb. Otherwise, I'm gonna feel like an asshole. Um, but the guy that the other black player or the only the, the, not the only the only black player right. in the basketball scene, um, true black, you know. He's in the cafeteria at the same time. And after he sees Mark, you know, hit those guys for, for being inappropriate um, with their jokes, he's like, you know, kind of pops his collar a bit, kind of like, yeah, yeah, right on, man. Like, that's, I, you know, I appreciate you, you know, doing that. Like, he could see, he could tell now that Mark is going to be a, an ally, right? right? And, and, not, and, and not, and more importantly, like you mentioned, not just an ally, someone who is going to take action to call out those who are not being, you know, appropriate or not certainly right. being what, what I noticed so. about the two guys making the jokes is that for the first time, because that's the fourth time, for the first time, they didn't hide, right? They weren't like, they, they, it's not as if they got like, oh, I got caught, so I have to be quiet now. They just kept on laughing, like it's no big deal. 
because they're looking at Mark as being white and yeah. thought, oh, this guy's with us, no big deal. And so uh, I thought that was very poignant as well. Um, but I, it, so that's a great point. And so it's a super great point. Yeah. Cause that third time they tell the joke, well, the third time they tell yeah. the joke is in the library. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, well, I'm looking up at the IM, IMDB right now. The guy, oh, the guy that plays the, the dude that always tells the joke, his character name Oh my God. You would never, you would not, I we could be on this podcast for another three hours. You'll never guess what his name is. His first name is Barky. <laughs> Barky Brewer. Yeah, I, would, I, would, I would never, I would never come up with that one. So. Yeah. I, I think they were trying to be overly uh, goofy with those two characters names. Cause I think the other guy that plays his friend his name is Bowie Frazier. So Barky yeah, and Bowie. Yeah. It's like giving them total fucking uh, asshole names, right. you know, like white white guy asshole name. Right. You Wait, know? If, um, if if I can like change it for real quick, something I noticed about the movie, watching it again. Well, I was trying oh. to find that name of the the actor that played the, the yeah, basketball yeah. player real quick. So hold on. Oh, oh shit! Ah, uh, they he doesn't. They don't, uh, they don't, they don't say the character name. I don't have him on IMDb. Well, he's, he might be on here, but, oh, hey, they don't have his picture, but there is a character okay. named Leon. Okay. My Wolf Perry. Prob so that's probably him. probably him. That's probably him. So I mean, thank you. Right. I, feel, I feel better. So one, one thing, and we, we can change subject a little bit, a little bit. Um, I think just as poignant and interesting, even for today is I saw like, three groups of people more or less in the movie. I saw the racist individuals, right? So, uh, Nielsen's character, right? The landlord, um, the, yeah. the Boston softball team in prison, right? And you, and the people who tell the jokes, right? Those, those are prominent examples of just racist extreme individuals, right? But then I saw other people on the opposite side of extreme. For example, Whitney's character where, she she thought she was you know advocating for people of color and that but she's just being selfish with it right and she's just she just wants to date a black yeah. guy just because she can date a black guy she wants to date a native american guy just so she can date a native american guy she has no interest at all in the person she just is using their color nationality right. or whatever for her own purpose Right. So it, it goes and I'm looking yep. at if I look at yep. today's world, I look at one side is ultra liberalism on one side. I don't really care about you as people. I care about you as your color, your nationality, your sex. And the other side, I see these guys that don't give a shit about other people. Right. And so I see both extremes. But then there's a large group. They're just ignorant. And, they, and these two people play the characters great. And that's Mark's parents. Right. They're and I you don't know oh, if they're racist so or they're liberal. You have no idea if they are. They're just so devoid of caring at all, which I think the vast majority mm -hmm. of people mm -hmm. in society. And I thought they were just they played that role great. It was just all about money. It was all about what my son's doing. Remember, they're going to charge him twenty five percent interest. Yeah, Bobby yeah exactly. That's right. So it, yeah. I thought those the three people I saw in the movie. I don't know what your take is on that. Yeah, no, I I agree with you 100 percent on all that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and and I 
The funny thing is, too, I looked up at Wikipedia. The director actually has an interview where he flat out says, like, he wasn't trying to, like, and I maybe I call BS on this a little bit, even though it's his quote. Like he he wasn't trying to to put, you know, put the mirror on white people, you know, or just America in general, you know, about looking at the at all these mm-hmm. all these issues, right? Um, and I, the reason why I call BS on that a little bit is because there's so many layers like that with and and. They, there's no scene or character that, yeah, they could have gone deeper with every character. Sure, you know, that's a, they can make it a two and a half hour movie, whatever. But for the time that the the hour and forty five minutes or whatever of this movie, they pack mm-hmm. in a lot, and I I don't think he you he couldn't have been aware uh, of what he was doing because otherwise it's just. That's a lot of lucky, lucky decisions to 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 make, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it was yeah, like a great. I'm glad you brought up the point about Whitney's character because yeah, kind of one of those. And unfortunately, there's still those people today where, you know, they think mm-hmm. they're doing good. They think they're they're part of the solution. They think they're an ally, but. At a at the most superficial level, especially when again, if you're just trying to do it more for your own self gain, then you that's that just that's like one of those like kind of people that make you want to like yeah. throw open your yeah. mouth a little it, bit. It's, it's almost know? as if those people they're at least as bad as the extreme racists, right? In some ways, they're worse in society because it reinforces things, right? It, it keeps people in in their yeah. quote unquote proper place. So. The the last the last one that <clears throat> that I think we should probably talk about um, is your question, which I thought was really good. Does Mark make good on on what he says he's going to do after you know coming out as being white? Um, the scholarship, the working, mm-hmm. the interest, you know, and those kind of things. Does he make good on it? Yeah. So. I think he makes good on all of them, certainly until he gets his degree. So, because right, that's the only way he's going to get his law degree is to have done whatever he's supposed to have done to that point. I think he probably does some of that, you know, for the next decade after his law degree. And I'd again, I'd have to go back and listen to like, like how much was he trying? I think it was for the working on social justice cases, I think was only through college. Right. So I think, I think he, I think the only thing probably after that was really just the setting okay. up the Sarah Walker. Uh, I shouldn't say just, but setting up a Sarah Walker uh, scholarship in her, in her name. And so in some ways I kind of feel like he probably, um, Hence, he probably does start that up. I was kind of, I was going to be a cynic more than I, I thought it was going to be. Or, but now I'm thinking, well, once he sets it up, I think it probably does go for a while. I think it goes for a while. Now, what level of, again, it's a scholarship. A scholarship mm-hmm. can be $500, 
right? Or it can be fifty thousand right, dollars, or right, what right. you know, like and everything in between. So I, I think I think it's a matter of you know, does he set up a scholarship that's at a reasonable amount that he can do with whatever percentage of income that he said he was going to do, right? So I, I think he probably does. I think he probably does. But I would. This is a movie. And I, well, I'll wait for my last comment on that. But what, what's your, what do you think, though? I might, you're going to be a cynic. I, I probably or you're agree be a 100% on everything you just said. And I'll add one caveat. As long as he stays friends with Gordon. I think Gordon, for me, is kind of like that consciousness in his head that keeps him honest with it, to be quite honest. And I do think they stay friends. And so on that end, I do think he, he does stay with it. Yeah. He's a Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And, you know, and, probably shame on us a little bit you know we haven't really given Ari Gross too much shine or enough shine he he is really a good uh you know grounder uh for for Mark he never liked the idea right. never really truly supported it with the he didn't right. but he did enable it to continue right but he never there's never lines from mark where he's like saying like yeah man this is fucking great you're mm -hmm. getting away with this right like he's he but you know again obviously those guys are close friends if i had a close friend that was probably like you know again through undergrad they probably knew each other even before so you know if they've known each other for you know from 14 to 22 um yeah i'm probably gonna fall into the same trap that that Gordon does and and enable you know my my closest buddy you know um but at least what Gordon doesn't do is he doesn't uh you know you know he 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 does call Mark out multiple times to right. say this is a yeah, bad idea so yeah yeah so and then yeah so <laughs> Yeah, so Ari Gross, man, if you ever uh, stumble on this podcast, dude, we have nothing but love for you. Um, I think you, he definitely, you know, is a is a great uh, addition to this movie. I, it's one of those movies too. Like, I don't even know if there could should be anybody that's recast, right? Like, and I think everybody nails their part really, really well. Um, and so, but you know that. Maybe there was other people you could recast it with, but I, I liked it. I, I thought, yeah, everything was just, great with as that. You're, as um, I just looked it up, so I had to cheat here. Um, the movie that uh, Gross was in, yeah. um, he started with Patrick Dempsey as well as Coupe de Ville, which is growing up, it's a movie that oh, okay. probably no one is, not many people have seen, but it just has a, a really good message in itself. So Gross makes these really good movies, or he's in these good movies that have really good messages, I think. So, so that being said, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So yeah, good, good, uh, it, um, trivia to know for Mr. Gross. I would, I would really like, again, well, we, what we also didn't say about this, we had at least one person in our close network who vehemently, uh, said we should not right. do this fucking podcast. He said, "This I I highly mm -hmm. advise you not to." Um, we've talked about about eighty minutes already. I will say this: I'm really glad we were doing it. It's I think it's it it's what I had in my mind 
of what I wanted this podcast to be about this type of movie and this type of subject matter. I think it's, it's hitting what I was hoping to. I would love again for like current, current day. So what else we didn't talk about it. I don't, I don't know if it's considered blackface, but like you, you mentioned some occurrences in the recent history, Canadian prime minister, Justin Trudeau, you know, he put on a form of blackface or I guess it'd be brownface with, uh, um, with a Bollywood, um, like Halloween or party. I don't know if it was a Halloween or it was just, you know, a, a, a Bollywood party, you know, he's a prime minister of Canada who's seems that, you know, all by all accounts and purposes, a solid dude, right. You know, comes across like he's probably a solid dude. I would love for soul man to be remade in present day. Cause I think it can be, I'm not smart enough or witty enough or have screenwriter credits enough to be able to do it. But I think there's a ton of talent out there that can, and I would love it if a, if a person of color, you know, wrote it, right. Directed it, et cetera. I think it would, I think there's, there's some ways they could, they could bring this story to, to current day. Um, and unfortunately some of the themes would still hit. So unfortunately, even after this, right, we're talking 33, 34 years later, and it's still here to a higher percentage than I would have yeah. liked it to ever been, you know? Um, so they, you know, I don't know, would Soul Man 2020 or Soul Man, Soul Man 2022, because you got to mm-hmm. have time to write it and get in. Uh, you think, you think that's I, I something do, that and could I, be and done? I think uh, on that, I think it's an important message. Uh, particularly what's after we talked about it, what that message is of being black, being white, being brown, being whatever, being female, being male, being from this place or that place. There's no escaping those things. Like there's, it's not, you don't wake up and go, I decided to mm-hmm. do this or that. And I think that's the, the whole message is that we're all part of this thing. Like, and I don't want to sound like I'm like one of those individuals one together type of thing. But in, in a way, there is that idea where something you think is funny, the knee jerk reaction could be very much wrong. Right. And because you think it's funny with that knee jerk mm-hmm. reaction, like you got to check whether or not that foundation of why you think it's funny is correct or not. And I think that's what makes me look at the movie and say it could be remade because the message is so poignant today. Um, how they do that, I agree with you. I think yeah. if it's made by yeah. someone, uh, a director who's black, a producer who's black, and I think you can really send a really good message with that and maybe reach people. I still think you still put the humor in it because humor tears down those walls. And yeah, the reason why I absolutely. enjoy the movie is versus someone lecturing you or drama or something like that, humor kind of has a way of doing things that's probably not really acceptable. Because it tears down those walls and makes you face it. Um, if you think about it, and I think that's the important part of that. Yep. Yeah. So, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad, I'm yeah. glad, I'm glad we did um, it though. I only um, have a couple. I know we were advised not to do it, but I'm glad we did it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, the only other small thing I have left is I, for a small character, it was a nice, uh, Easter egg kind of, a. Uh, 
thing I didn't know. I, and I remember, I do remember this from when I, from back in the day, but I hadn't watched again the movie for over 30 plus years. Um, going back to the outsiders, there was an outsiders connection in this movie with C. Thomas Howell, um, who was a, played a greaser in the outsiders. Uh, Randy, who was mm-hmm. one of the top socias from the outsiders, uh, his, uh, the actor's name is Darren Dalton. He is one of the guys in the basketball scene. So, you know, he's actually the one that passes Mark <laughs> the basketball first. That's doing some research right there. No. So, well, no, I mean, I just, wait, and I saw the movie. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, that's Randy yeah. from, uh, from Out the Outsiders. On the same so team in this one, right? And this was after the yeah, we're on the same exactly. So that, that, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, well, yeah, great podcast on this on this movie. Um, I, yeah, I definitely am glad I was I reintroduced myself to the movie. I'm really glad it held up. Um, I think it. I think they were, you know, genuine and, and earnest in their approach to this movie. Um, you know, and so. Again, maybe that, that's just my opinion. I, you know, I guess it would. We, this is two white guys' opinion on a movie called Soul Man, where a white guy does blackface. So I, I have never had a conversation with someone of you know person of color about this movie. I think I probably need to. Uh, I don't even know if I wouldn't even want to send a text to some of my uh, my my friends that you know I could have this conversation with. I think this is more of like a a conversation like over beer or wine or a cocktail like hey yeah, have you ever yeah. seen the movie soul man right and and get their get their opinion of it um if they've seen it and most likely they wouldn't have seen it in the last 30 years and uh you know hopefully they trust me enough as a friend where i'd say you know if you don't mind i'd love to have you watch it again and you know and then let's talk about it a little bit just because you know again i think with that said that also brings up a whole another point you know, people of color get exhausted talking to, you know, talking to white people about, you know, the people, you know, their, their experiences or at least educating, you know, white people. I'm not asking that. I wouldn't be asking my friend to do that. I'd just be asking like, what's your just general thoughts on this movie? And, you know, not, not have to go well, too you, deep You raise up it, a really good, anyway. maybe this should be for another podcast where, um, with the social unrest, racial injustice, you know, right in our living room these days. How often as white individuals, we look up on our phone for those individuals who happen to be black that are our friends and our acquaintances. And we, and we ask, Hey, do you want to have a talk now? Right. Kind of thing. Like you're inviting them to a talk and mm-hmm. I can only imagine them going mm-hmm. now, now, now you want to talk? Like, right. get the fuck yeah, out of we're, here. We're, like, like you, you obviously haven't yeah. learned because now you want to really? talk because it's in your face. And. I, I get that. I, I think I, as yeah. a, as a white male, I still maybe make those mistakes as well. Right. Like it's, it's, you're not in those circles. You're not in that yeah. frame. You're not in those thoughts where if you are black, if you are native American, if you are a woman, if you are LBGQ, right. If you're always in those, there's, as, as the movie says, there is no out. Mm-hmm. And for me, I got to be a little bit more cognitive of being in there uh, with them. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, yeah. With you on that. Um, so maybe it's a little sneak peek. We were almost at 90 minutes. We're trying to keep this under 90 minutes. Um, 
sneak peek, um, potential, uh, you know, other movie podcasts. Um, you know, one of our favorites. Say one of our favorites. There's two. I'm gonna say. Okay. Well, right. I'm, I'm gonna right. let you do that I'm... one. You say that one. Uh, I'm gonna. We're, 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 we might do a, a an, an '80s trilogy for uh, the the Corey. We're gonna call it the Corey trilogy, a three part series on uh, on the three movies that Corey Haim and Corey Feldman were in: The Lost Boys, Dream a Little Dream, and License to Drive. Uh, the Corys were a huge '80s success. I don't think there's probably been many people that have done a podcast on on those three movies. Do they really deserve it? The Lost Boys certainly does. Uh, Dream a little dream. Maybe it's maybe it's not three podcasts. Maybe it's just still one. Or the well, Lost Boys will do one podcast, and will you Dream a little dream and license to drive for like five minutes? I don't know. I have to watch those movies again to see how how much they deserve. But we want to do a fun Corys themed. 80s pod for sure and then another one that goes back to like maybe some you know good uh racial um awareness uh type of uh setting is the one i'll let matt uh educate right, so us on before or what i say that movie on. there's another actor you probably should do on the 80s and that's anthony michael hall right if, 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 right that that probably should come oh, before the court absolutely. right because his movies are just he knocked it out of the ballpark if there's someone batting a thousand, it's Anthony Michael Hall in the eighties. Every single movie this guy was in, you watched yeah. and you watched repeatedly and you know the line. So um yeah. I think we probably should do that one before the chorus, but here's yeah. the movie I think we'll probably do it first. Right? And you and I Great. both yeah. love this movie. It's one of my favorites. It's gotta be top ten for me. And not yeah. many people have seen this movie. I'm gonna get you sucker. Right? The Way in Brothers. It's absolutely oh the Wayne brothers are yeah, geniuses yeah. when it comes yeah. to humor and comedy, right? They are just absolutely fantastic. And I'm going to get you sucka yeah. is a, an amazing, funny movie. And I, 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 I look forward to doing a podcast on that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one might just be, well, at least at the initial part, uh, that might just be Matt and I, uh, basically <laughs> reciting every freaking line, uh, which which may be problematic. Uh, again, uh, if, if we if we were doing stand up comedy again in that stand up comedy scene, like we can get away with some of that a little bit more than like doing a, a podcast uh, on reciting some of those uh, those lines. You know, maybe we'll have to just put a disclaimer. This is us doing our best version. Of what the movie right. character does, and, and will be horrible. Right? I, and know, I, so. yeah, and I wish our podcast was yeah, larger because I would invite one of them on to talk about the movie, the one of the Wayne brothers on to talk about it. Oh my, dude, I'd love to. Keenan, I mean, yeah, Keenan Ivory Wayans and Damon Wayans are definitely. I was a huge fan of In Loving Color. We'll probably talk about. In Loving oh, for Color sure, you can't you can't talk about that movie without talking about In Loving Color. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's another one. So Matt, I know I'm I, I'm going to put you on the spot in terms of remembering our email address for this podcast. We really have to do a better job of maybe at the beginning because we, maybe we've lost you. We're at 91 minutes. Maybe we've lost the audience. There's only there's right. one soul still sticking out because they're oh they got less than a minute of the podcast. 
We're going to listen. But we've got to do a better job of putting right. our email. Okay, fair point. That, that's squarely call. on me. So here's the email address. And Chad, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Drinkswmc2020 at gmail.com. So it's drinkswmc2020 at gmail.com. Please email us suggestions. If you want to come in and chat with us, more than likely, um, you're more than welcome to do so. So with that, Chad, um, great podcast. I know we went over a little bit in the 90-minute mark, but um, thank you very much, sir. Um, enjoy the rest of your day and weekend. And thank you to our listeners once again for staying with us. Drinks with Matt and Chad. Thanks to Ringer. Record anytime, anywhere with anybody as if in the same room. And with that, have a wonderful day, everybody. Ringer, record anytime.